All right. We are, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 in just a few minutes. Uh, if you want to uh, borrow a Bible, the ushers are going to come back in a moment after they're done taking the offering, offer one to you. But uh, we can begin to turn there. We're going to look at a number of scriptures this morning, uh, particularly in the Proverbs. We're going to look at a lot of the Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom from Solomon. A lot of, lot of great principles and truths regarding the subject we're talking about. We're in a series called the ABCs of Financial Freedom. And we've, uh, we've tried to give you support in a number of areas. We're hoping that you've gotten involved in a life group of somewhere, somehow, find one that's near you and, and begin to sort this out with some friends and folks who want to encourage you along the way. Uh, one of the things we've made available is a workbook. Uh, we do still have just a few of these left. I noticed they were out after the last service, but we restacked them. We're just about out. But if you haven't picked one of these up, this is just a little guide that'll take you through some of the, the uh, things we're talking about and uh, reinforce those. You can work through this uh, on your own. I want because I don't want to forget this. We have got some folks that are actually trained with Dave Ramsey's group, Financial Peace University. And if you'll let us know, if you'll contact us, uh, they will be glad to come alongside of you. I was just talking with one of the uh, folks in the lobby after the service and said uh, that they can handle you know, quite a few folks. If you want uh, just some guidance and some support as you walk through this, uh, that's available as well. So you can pick this up on the way out if you want. But uh, today we're gonna pick up uh, that. I, I, I heard a story about a guy that went into his boss and he was asking for a raise. And so when he got there, uh, he told his boss, he said, I need, I need to know this because there's some major companies that are after me. And the boss said, well, which ones? And he said, the electric company, the gas company, and the credit card company. <laughs> and uh, I kind of smiled at that, and I, but I thought, you know, this, this whole subject of uh, financial bondage is no laughing matter. It really isn't. I looked over my teaching calendar. I don't know that I've ever really zeroed in on this to the level that we're talking about through this series. And I have had more folks come up to me and just say thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for dealing with this and laying it out there as openly and transparently as, as we have been doing. And uh, we, we hope to continue that. It'll, it'll go through the next couple of weeks as well. But uh, if you were with us last week, the first step toward financial freedom all starts with the A, the attitude, right? That's the A. And it's, it's our approach to how we view God. Do we truly believe that he is our sovereign God, that he, he owns it all, that it's all his before anything else? That everything that we aspire toward, everything that we hope to do or to supply or to, uh, to carry out, all those aspirations are really in God's hands. And so it's acknowledging that, it's, it's accepting that, uh, that I need him that I'm, I, when I try to do it myself or my way, it usually doesn't work out too well. Probably all the things we mentioned last week to reaffirm, it's that proverb that says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it doesn't end up so good. And so, so I'm hearing story after story that here's what I did, I, I, I looked at it through this perspective, through this lens, and I was trying to do it my way, but the more I tried to do that, it seemed like the farther behind I got until I finally surrendered and admitted to God, I need you uh, in this, this area. So the first step we were talking about is uh, this area of acknowledging that the Lord is, is the one. It's our attitude toward that and adjusting our attitude toward his ways. Now guys, I'm gonna tell you, uh, my, my job, my, my calling is to teach 
and to share the Word of God and to lay that out there. Uh, you know, here at North Shore, we're committed to disciple-making. And if you read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, it says, go make disciples of all the nations. But then that little part that says, teach them to obey whatsoever I've commanded you. You can't obey something that you don't know. And, and, and so all I can do is to lay it out there of what God says, what his desires are, what his ways are, what his commands are, and then it's up to us to say, you know, will I, will I work with that? Will I comply with that? Will I obey that, which the Lord has laid out? And, and his promises are just abundant of what he says. If you'll do that, he says, you watch and see uh, what happens. And so... Uh, that's our first step. The second step this weekend, the B stands for bondage because the next step is going to be we're going to have to begin to address the bondage of debt that many of us find ourselves in. I'm hoping and praying that this message is just going to be an affirmation of maybe things you've learned and have applied of God's way, and, and this isn't your scenario, but I, I just know the reality is that as we look across our our society, our culture, our country, okay? If we look at America just in general, uh, there's some pretty staggering numbers. Back in 2007, do you guys remember the crisis of 2007 where the, the bottom just kind of fell out? And I looked at the numbers at that point, the, the debt to ratio number was 129%. What that means is, is that the average person was spending 29% more than what they had the, the income to provide for. Think about that. Now that number has gone down a bit since 2007, but we are still in, in a kind of a perilous place when it comes to this idea of, of what debt load, you know, that we carry. And it's becoming very confining, it, it really is. It's nothing less than, than kind of a bondage that folks will find themselves in, and we've gotta get free from that. That's what, why we're dealing uh, with this at this time. Dave Ramsey, I mentioned to him a moment ago, uh, from Family, or Financial Peace University, he came up with a number, he said, said our statistics show that the average family carries $24,000 of debt. Now, I don't know, you know what that means or how restrictive that is, but, but that's their ministry is to uh, come alongside of that. I, I just have to say, you know, in general, I look at this and I think it's almost like an addiction. And it's not too dissimilar from even drugs. We talk about drugs. We can't say no to ourselves. You know, some person summed it up, our yearnings exceed our earnings. We just want more than, than what we're capable of getting, you know, for that particular time. And, and, uh, and many of us are paying for that in distress and anxiety conflict, anger, uh, and that's why we're uh, trying to address this, you know, according to what we're seeing in the page of Scripture. I, I, wanna, I want you to take your note if you have them in front of you, because if we were aspiring toward God's ways, you're saying, well, what is God's ways? What's his ideal? What, what's the mark that we're shooting for? Listen to the word of the Lord that he gave through Moses back in Deuteronomy. This is the heart of God for his people. So, so listen to this. There's two, two separate scriptures I want to just look at. He says, first of all, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So here's that word. He wants to pour out a blessing, but what is it contingent on? You tell me. 
What is it? Obedience. And then he goes on, he, he goes a little deeper here in verse 12, and he says, the Lord will open up to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain on your land in its season and to bless all of the work of your hands. And you will lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do all of them. So I, I brought that one out because in light of our subject today, we're talking about being a lender, not a borrower. He wants to bless you with such abundance that you're able to be able to pass it on. This is one of the great reasons why so many people cannot give to the, the very things that they wish they could or would like to or have a desire is because you're over here and, and that bondage, that, that, that debt sometimes restricts that or prevents that from uh, being a reality. We just think about the dream that God has, and that's what, that's what we have uh, for all of us here today. So as we walk through this, we have to ask ourselves, okay, why aren't we, why aren't we hitting this mark? Why is it that, um, you know, that we don't practice that? We're talking about our country, and you know, friends, I, this is just my suspicion, but when you have a nation that is $21 trillion in debt, and that's kind of the pervasive mood and the culture. Do you remember, do some of you remember the first time you ever signed on the dotted line for like a, a mortgage for your house? Do you remember the feeling you had when you were in that office and you put your signature? You were thinking, what in the world have I just done? <laughs> 30 years, I'm committing myself for 30 years to, you know. Remember that feeling? But remember how fast it went away? And, and all of a sudden, then you're just left with singing the song, I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go, right? I mean, it, it just kind of drifts off here. And sometimes it's so easy to slip into that mode. And I wonder, you just check me if this suspicion isn't correct. Is it possible that when that pervades a whole society and a culture, do we not as individuals start adopting a similar mode of thinking? Paul talked about Romans 12, about don't be conformed to this world and its ways, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your minds. This is where we were at last week. Our attitude regarding this has to begin to shift and change toward God's ways and God's understanding. And that, that usually is not parallel to what the world's doing or how the world's acting. And so, um, there was a passage that I ran across, and this was in the message. I kind of like this in the message. Uh, I didn't put it in your note, but listen to this. In Proverbs 6, 1, dear friend, if you've gone into hawk with your neighbor or locked yourself into a deal with a stranger, if you've impulsively promised the shirt off your back and now find yourself shivering out in the cold, friend, don't waste a minute. Get yourself out of that mess. You're in that man's clutches. Go, put on a long face, act desperate. <laughs> Don't procrastinate, there's no time to lose. Run like a deer from the hunter. Fly like a bird from the trapper. Now that's, that's the book of wisdom, that's God's word. And it's, uh, I think what we're seeing is this is not God's plan. This is not God's best for us. And yet some of us find ourselves in that situation. One girl was talking to her friend and she said, you know, my mom, she's only happy when she's spending money out shopping every day. That was until she got her card stolen. And her friend said, well, did your dad report it to the police? 
And she said, no, the thieves are spending less money than she did on the car. <laughs> you know, it's not, that's not the way it's supposed to be, all right? Um, we've, we've got to begin to shift gears, and that's, that's what we want to kind of, kind of address today. So what is, what's it going to take? I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this part, but I do, I do want to just have us consider a few of the little tidbits from Proverbs, from Solomon's word there. Uh, just a few thoughts to consider. What, what do we need to pay attention to that may have kind of got us into this condition? So let's look first, if you're looking at your notes, let's look at the bondage of debt. Uh, one of the first things Solomon says in Proverbs 22, he says the borrower is the slave of the lender. The borrower is the slave of the lender. And back to Deuteronomy, God says, says, when you obey me and when you follow my ways, that's not going to be the case. That Proverbs was saying, you know, when you, you know, commit yourself to that way, you're in their clutches. That's why we're using the word bondage to describe this, okay? You're in their clutches. And he doesn't want you to be that way. He wants you to be free from that. You know, can you imagine? And again, not knowing what your scenario is, but if you're finding yourself with more obligations at the end of a paycheck than you, have to, than you can identify, you know, what would it be like if you, if you had more than that? What would it be like if you were freed up in that area to be able to honor the Lord and to give to the Lord what he's, what he's prescribed, begin to go down that path and the joy that you would have knowing that you're kind of following those steps? Well, you know, he's describing here, he says, says this, is, this is not what he wants to, to take you with, but this is a symptom. This is a symptom of a society that is no longer following God's plans or God's ways. And it trickles right down even to the people of God, even to the Christians, into those followers of Christ. They too are, are, are finding themselves resonating or, or reflecting what our society is. So what, what is it going to take? What, what's it going to take for us to get? Well, here's a statement. I don't think we'll ever get out of this condition unless several things happen. First of all, we need, we need to address this business that we are overestimating the importance of our wealth. We overestimate the importance of wealth. You and I are bombarded by messages every single day, aren't we? By advertising and by the media that you, you need this or you gotta have this in order for happiness and for security and all these other things. You've gotta have this and we hear these messages and sometimes our minds uh, aren't filtering it, you know, and all of a sudden we start believing that. And then, then we take steps, unfortunately, to accumulate things, stuff. And this, this uh, verse, I, I gotta say, this probably this verse in the ESV doesn't maybe say it as clearly, but he says, there is gold in abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. There's another version that just kind of basically saying, you can have all these things, but the wisdom of God is to be prioritized. That's a greater value than all of the stuff that you can accumulate. And so we gotta start adjusting that way of thinking. Here's a second one, is we want instant gratification. Know what I mean? We want it now, and, and, and we're willing to, to go in debt in order to get it now, because we're not willing to uh, put, put off. We're not able to say no to ourselves. 
And this gets us into trouble. Here he says, precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. In other words, you use it all up. You don't, you don't put it away. You don't say You just use it all up. We want it right now. I had a friend um, back in the days I served in Bellingham. His name was Cecil. And he was kind of my fishing buddy. We used to fish on Lake Padden, his little uh, aluminum boat, and we would drag that line. So we had a lot of hours to talk. And one of the things I noticed about Cecil, he was a plumber by trade, and, and now he's kind of enjoying his later years. And it just seemed like Cecil, uh, you know, he'd, he'd kind of do these buying and trading and things like that, but he always got great deals. I mean, he'd share with me what happened. I said, how is it that you always come about those? And he just said one word. Wait. I knew how to wait. Now he added to that, he said, I also know how to walk away. I can walk away from the situation. But the, the waiting is what stuck with me. And he didn't have to have it right there, right that moment, right that second. And, and if you wait, it's just interesting how sometimes wisdom can kick in. Sometimes, you know, the patience. Sometimes the, um, you know, just... The, the circumstances can change if we're just willing to wait a little bit. So this is something I think that we need to pay attention. The last one was, is that we waste our finances foolishly. You know, when we, we talk about giving to the Lord, there's one thing in Malachi, the verse we talk about a lot. He says, I will protect you from the things that devour your crops. And I, th- I think of this when I read this. Uh, this proverb says, he who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. Now, before you, you know, get on your high horse here, when you're talking about, I'm not, not claiming that that's the issue, but think about this. Is a prostitute not reflective? I wrote this uh, kind of a sub-definition. Something that we pay to bring us pleasure. Now, put it that way and think about the things that we think we have to have and that the things are gonna give us pleasure and we go in debt to get those. And he's saying, if you do, you spend it on those kinds of things that you find that the wealth is squandered. So I, I, just, I just bring these to our attention. This is just truth. This is truth from God's word. I'm just a messenger, all right? And, and uh, just be able to submit ourselves to that. Barry uh, Cameron, who wrote the materials that we're going through, Uh, I've known Barry for a number of years. He came up with this acronym for debt, D-E-B-T. And he says this represents dumb excuse for buying things. Now that's one you can put on your refrigerator, huh? A dumb excuse for buying things. So I, uh, you know, these are important, but I I wanted to spend the majority of our time this morning on the story that I invited you to turn to. Luke 15 uh, there's three subsequent stories of something that's lost, something that's found, and then there's a party to celebrate it. And Jesus was reinforcing this. Well, the last one is, is the familiar story of the prodigal son. And, um, you know, it, it, is, it is so to the heart of God the Father, uh, the, how that story unfolds. And most of us here this morning can see ourselves in that story in one character or another. And I just want us to look at it again because, believe it or not, there are some biblical truths and principles that this is going to lift out for us today that, uh, that I think could, could be life-changing. I really do. Um, let's pick up in verse uh, 11, chapter 15, verse 11. And he says, uh, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. 
and he divided his property between them. And not many days later, uh, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered, there's that word again, he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Now I want to stop right there. I was reading this this week, and uh, in a moment you're going to see some points that this, this story unfolds. It's going to apply to our, our situation. But something here I noticed is the very first thing that this story Jesus shares is that what did this boy do? What did he demand right out of the gate? He demanded for the property that he felt was, was rightfully his. He said, divide the property, give me my share. The word that I think you would use there is the word inheritance. Give me my inheritance. And, uh, and something happened this week, and I just had to pass this on to you. In our life group on Thursday night, if you were in a life group and were going through our curriculum, the story there was about the man who built the barns, remember, and he had a, a bumper crop, and so he said, wow, man, I'm gonna build more barns, and I'm gonna put it all away, and man, I'll be all set. I'll be secure. And Jesus said, you fool, this night your life is gonna be demanded of you. Make sure that you don't think that your worldly wealth is gonna save you through this. It's gonna be, you need to be rich toward God, right? But you might not have noticed this, but in our group, that whole story, that parable was prompted by somebody in the crowd yelling out, Jesus, make my brother give me my share of the inheritance. And I threw this out at our group, and I just said, have any of you uh, ever gone through a conflict when it came around this subject of inheritance? Have any of you been through a family disaster when it came to that time when things were starting to get passed down, depending on who was the executor and who was the one that was making the decisions, people taking something that you didn't feel was, was rightfully theirs and the attitude that came in. And I started thinking about this and I thought how prevailing that is. Uh, you know, in our group there were several, I think, that, that uh, had walked through that. And I just thought it's worthy of us just opening that subject if you've ever been touched by that, isn't it interesting that it's out of that climate that both this story and that story kind of gave rise to because it's such a reality. When my family um, got to that place, many of you know I'm the youngest of five kids and, and uh, got three brothers and a sister, and my folks put my sister as the executor over their estate, and my dad passed away a number of years before my mom, and so when my mom passed away, now it was time to put that into action. And I knew, I knew there, there were some minefields potentially with my siblings. And I, uh, you know, I, I was praying and hoping that this would not uh, have lasting impact in a negative way in our relationship. And I can remember specifically the day when we all gathered at my mom's house and it was time to walk through the house and identify the things and, and distribute the things that were there. There were a lot of precious things that were passed down from the previous generation. My, uh, my, my great-grandfather, Stuart, uh, had 12 children, so I had a lot of great aunts that lived in that area, and they were all very frugal, and they were all, they were all very and all their stuff kind of filtered all down to my mom and my aunt. And so we got to this time, and we're walking through our house, and, and we suggested 
that, okay, if, if it's already been designated, you know, you already you know, said something or talked to mom about this, then no problem, and you just identify that. But then when we start going and we make decisions, if there's more than one person that's interested in that or wants that, we said, we'll say that goes to the table. And what we meant, there was a big table in the middle of the living room. And so it literally, we would, we would put it at the table. And so we went through the whole house, and before you knew it, this table was full of stuff. And there were some things you knew that all five of us wanted, right? But we were calm. And so then when we got to the end, we got to the table, um, we said, okay, now we're going we're gonna to pick, pick straws and to see who picks first, second, third. It wasn't by age. It was just by picking straws. Well, guess who, who got number one? And the thing that I picked was my great-grandfather's coffee mug. That was one of those things that everybody wanted. In fact, Thursday night, uh, while we were sharing, I'm looking over our group, uh, while I was sitting at the couch, I was looking over into the, the china cabinet, and that mug was just, just screaming at me, you know, thinking that, that was my thing, you know? I just, all of us wanted it. And, uh, and so, it, as you can tell, it's on my, my shelf. <laughs> and then one by one, the rest of them, in a sequence, that they went around and they picked Aunt Grace's beautiful bowl and Aunt Fan's such and such and, you know, all these, these things. And we came out of that unscathed. And I thought that might be worthy of passing on to you to say, I don't know what it looks like for your family or if there's somebody that's gotten sideways or whatever. I just think the Christ-like thing, friends, if you get to an impasse, uh, sometimes, sometimes it might be the wisest thing to let it go. Sometimes not. But, but I just, I think that Jesus shared that because it's such a practical thing that impacts so many of our families. And we want to try to preclude those kinds of deep-seated conflict that unfortunately occurs. This boy had demanded it. He took what was his. His dad didn't, his dad didn't uh, refrain. He gave it to him. So what's he do? Bible says he went out and he squandered it. Before he knew it, it was all gone. And now he finds himself in the pig pen. And you know, one of the other things we think of is in this whole subject matter we're talking, friends, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom, don't we? Now, I don't know what rock bottom means. That's a very uh, squishy uh, number or figure or place because Rock bottom for one person might be different for another, but this kid found himself, and when the food given to the pigs looked better than, than what he was experiencing, he was saying, something's got to change here. So here's the steps that we learn from this story. Here's the first one. Acknowledge the bondage that we find ourselves in. Acknowledge the bondage. Uh, it says that he squandered all of this, but then we're picking up in verse 17, when he came to himself. Another version says, when he came to his senses. You know what that's describing? It's like, boom, the light bulb went off, and he said, what in the world is going on here? Why am I, why am I in this place? And he's coming to his senses. I believe that there are some folks that are walking through this, this journey with us these last couple of weeks that are, that are coming to their senses. Something is blowing out the myth. You've been in, locked into a place and some truth is hitting, and you're starting to wrestle with that, and you're saying, wow, maybe God does have something better. But the first step is to acknowledge that. Say it out loud. Say it to talk to the Lord about it. If you find yourself, and you're anxious, or you're stressful, 
or it's translating into depression or anger and you're finding internally and within your home there's conflict over these issues, friends, that's a very good gauge to let you know there is bondages going on here and the Lord wants to set you free, okay? But we have to get to the end and say, God, I, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm going to basically lay it at your feet and, um, and admit this. Talk to him about that. And then the second thing is, is to begin a plan. Begin to make a plan. Listen to what the young man does. He says, uh, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'm perishing here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I'm gonna say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Okay? And so he started formulating this idea, this plan of, of what, what it might look like. And so he says, you know, I'm gonna get ready and I'm, I'm gonna go back to my father. And, and that may be the place for some of us to start is with a plan. Sometimes, most of the time, you know how that plan is spelled? B-U-D-G-E-T. All right? That's like a nasty word, isn't it? You, do you find that budget in a financial sense is kind of like a diet in a physical sense? And you probably are going to experience about the same success as, as we do with physical diets. I'm just being real. I know what that's like. And, and as, as we contemplate that, I, I think this is truth, that until we're willing to look at the kind of the foundation or the root of the issue and acknowledge that root of the issue, if we say, we're, oh, we're going to go on a diet, and boy, we're going to do this, 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 and we're going to lay out a budget, until we deal with the root of the issue. And what's really at the root of the issue? Here's what I believe it is. When we truly believe that more money will lead to our happiness or will lead to a sense of importance and that our value is somehow wrapped around it or that it will lead to our security, if those little gauges seem to be the reality of what we're looking at, until we deal with that root, and now we're going to go back to last week to the attitude that we have, do those truly represent your happiness, your value, or your self-importance, or your security? Is that where you're finding your security? Because until you deal with that, and friends... I don't think you can really honestly deal with that until the Lord Jesus Christ puts his spirit inside of you to give you a new nature. Because if we fall back into a default mode to our flesh and to our, our worldly, our sinful nature, it is always going to gravitate to, to the self-centeredness and I, I can do it, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's going to determine this way, okay? And so that, that's where we start. But if, if we can begin to move in the right direction and we begin to set the boundaries, and that's all a budget is. It's just setting boundaries. It's setting some limitations. It's setting some parameters around, you know, what's going to do. It's bringing a plan, and that's kind of what this young man did. He said, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to ask him to treat me like a servant, and I'm going to do my best to, um, you know, to, to walk in, that, in those steps, and so there's the plan, 
Once again, um, if you need some help, that's what this workbook has been uh, available to. Predominantly what this is going to guide you through is just thinking through the realities of where you're at, what you have, where it's going, and how you're directing that. This is what it's going to guide you through. And if you haven't picked one up, you can do so. Um, maybe it'll help guide, guide through that. And then here's the last thing. Commence immediately. He didn't put it off. He didn't kick the can down the field and say, oh, well, someday I'll do that. I love this verse. He said, I will arise and go. And then verse 20, 20, he says, and he arose and he came to his father. He, he, he got up and he went. And um, some of us are at that place where we're willing to do some things maybe that we've never done before. And so today, as we kind of wind today's uh, message down, I want to just give you kind of rapid fire some things to consider, okay? Uh, these are just some, some uh, suggestions as you move forward if you're going to put this kind of a plan in place. We want to be practical. Uh, I don't want to just talk about up here. We want to get down to the grassroots. What would, what would this take? Can I walk you through those real quickly? Here's the first thing. Start with making a commitment to God, making a vow to the Lord that you intend to do this. I know sometimes we'll break our vows, sometimes we'll back, backpedal, but there is more power and, and instruction when you know you've made a promise to the Lord and said, God, with your help, this is, this is what I'm gonna trust you for. This is what we're gonna do. Start with that commitment. You see a lot of biblical examples of, of vows that were made, and, and there's just a power behind those. So start there. The second one is don't take on any more debt. Resolve not to take on any more debt. And can I give you a suggestion? Start... Uh, paying attention to the small things. You know, you start thinking about the big things, the big ticket item. No, it's those small things that do more people in than anything else. A little leak is what can sink a boat, right? Just a little leak, and there's a lot of leakage going on. Oh, well, this won't matter, this won't matter, this will You accumulate all of that, and all of a sudden, boom, you start seeing, wow, where did that go? Well, it's kind of in some of those small areas. And we need to pay attention uh, to that. The third thing is, and you're going to hear this over and over, but put God first in your giving. Put him first in your giving. And, and you just cannot begin to believe how good and faithful the Lord is. Well, Gal, uh, last night, I tell you, it was, so, it was such an encouraging testimony. I've heard so many, in the, even just in the last couple of weeks, some texts and emails were coming in and but she waited around. I was talking to several people. She waited around because she really wanted me to hear her story. And she said, Pastor Ken, I am so thankful that you're talking about this because I know the difference that it makes in, in a family. And she's, she just was beaming. Her countenance was just radiant. And she just couldn't almost get it out fast enough. She said, you know, um, four years ago, I was one of those who who my expenses were here, and she, literally she goes, my expenses were here and my income was here. And when I was challenged by somebody to begin to put the Lord first and to begin to tithe, to begin to, to give God and honor God with, with a tithe, she said, I looked at that and she said, there is no way that I can do that. It does not make any sense, it's not logical. But she's another one of those that just stepped out in faith and she said, I, you know, I'm gonna do it. And this was four years ago. And she said, I have seen God begin to work in such an amazing way. She said, next month, uh, I will pay off my mortgage 
and I'll be totally debt-free. Now, isn't that amazing? And I thought, wow, in four years. Now, that, that's, no, that's not next week or next month, but she kept after a plan, and, um, and she's celebrating. And I think she, what she was trying to communicate was all along the way I've seen God work, and it's just like a tailwind was behind her. And she just wanted to know and testify of God's goodness. And, uh, and I just said, man, that is such a blessing uh, to hear that. And, and don't we want to pray for everyone to experience uh, that kind of, of reality? And so it, it's going to start with that, putting the Lord first. And then here's the fourth thing, develop a written plan. And we mentioned this uh, before, but there is something powerful about putting it down, writing it down. And again, uh, we've got some tools uh, to help you along those lines. Here's a fifth one, kind of in light of the story I just told you. Set an attainable goal. Set an attainable goal. Be realistic. You know what the condition that, that you're in and, and what, what would be a, a, a faith goal, but yet attainable. If you say, oh, I'm gonna be totally out of debt by the end of December after Christmas, you know, that's probably not realistic, okay? But, but if, you, if you got sat down and you said, okay, in two years or maybe four years or five years, this is, this is where we're going to target. This is where we're going to set the, the sights on. And so set that. And then sixthly, it's a tough one, but you've got to adjust your lifestyle. And there may be some, some adjustments that need to be made. You know, you need to maybe stop making that trip through the drive through or uh, you may need to examine some of the things that you have felt like you have to have, and you're saying, you know what, I think we might be able to live without that. I, I just have to be real with you guys. You know, for Annette and myself, as we've watched over and raising our kids, and now they're often grown and everything, and all the things that have happened in between, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these big things happened during the previous season in Florida, and we went through three building campaigns as a pastor. And when, when you're going through these three-year kind of giving campaigns, uh, it's kind of sacrificial giving. It's above and beyond. And we've had many, many conversations, Annette and I, about what are we gonna do without? You know, when you're talking about uh, keeping the car, you know, I mean, personally, I drive a 2002 car that was rebuilt to, to begin with, you know, and these are just decisions that you make, you know, to, to defer things that you think, I gotta have this right now. But I, now we're gonna put, you know, cable TV or other things that, you know, that you think, okay, if we pay attention, maybe there's ways we can tighten this so that we can get to that place where, where we truly can be generous. And, and God was just so faithful and just honored these decisions as we went along the way. And I know he'll do the, the same, but it may require some adjustment. So that's the reality. Be prepared for that, okay? I, I need to share something with you guys today because last week I understand that some of the, the things, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with our numbers here at North Shore because it can get confusing. And apparently that happened last week. So I want to clarify something. Last week I shared uh, just our situation what kind of prompted me in even this season was we did a survey a number of months ago, and we found that our potential as a church, based upon your anonymous participation, and now there were 750 you participated in it, and the number that we have a potential as far as income, that the reality was our giving represented 1.6% of that potential. Now, in comparison, our consultant said she sees normally across the board about 2.4% of churches that churches give toward their potential. So that was the first time that I'd seen that, that we were kind of below average in that way. And I thought, wow, 
There's some opportunity there if we, if we teach and we let, let you know. Somebody or some misconstrued that and they heard me saying that only 1.6% of our people give at all. And that was not the case. I hope you didn't go away discouraged, you know, and think, wow, you know, am I the only one? No. Uh, we, lot, we have wonderful participation, but do you understand what I'm saying? Is that clear? That, and I mentioned this. I said, you know, what would happen if we just bumped the needle to 2%, just to 2%, not 2.4? That would translate into over $700,000 of annual income that, that would impact this ministry. And the things that we could pass on, the th- things that we could do uh, to bless those that, that uh, like the partner we were talking about last week who is, uh, has got a huge opportunity there in Scotland, Brian Ingram, uh, with, with some buildings that have become available. And I'm, I'm still thinking about that. And I've, I've got communication going with Brian to find out more details, and we may pass that on to you. But, um, but those are the kind of things, you know, those are the realities that, that we deal with and, and that we look at as a whole, as a community here, but individuals, it will only be a whole impacted as we as individuals just follow the Lord's plan. And that, that's, what, uh, that's what we're striving to do even through, through this teaching. So there may be some adjustments, there may be some sacrifices. I, you know, I, this is what I intend to share, and this is the first time I've shared this, that as we're looking at what God entrusts us, one of the things, one of my values is we live within our means. So we can talk about a budget figure, right? A budget's a guideline. But if the income doesn't come to meet that budget, we're, I feel compelled that we're going to make adjustments in order to uh, live within that budget. And, and so it would not be fair to you to not let you know, because we don't print statistics in your, in your worship folders and things like that. Uh, we do have accountability. You can always check it out. It's not like we hide anything. But, but uh, the truth is, is that our budget is here and our actual income is right about 8 or 10% below that. And if, if that continued, then I'm just going to tell you, we would probably have to make some structural changes. Some of the reasons for that is because a few years ago, we took out a step of faith when we went down this discipleship track. And we're trying to, to position ourselves with staff and with, with uh, leadership and things like that to, to really aggressively go in that direction. Okay, and you know, and, and, and we've made huge strides, but uh, some of the means by which resources that we were funding that with were by faith, okay? And so uh, I'm just passing that on, that as we look at our future and we pray about that, we're just trusting God, we really are, and we're committed to live within our means, because that's what this whole message is about, isn't it? That your yearnings don't exceed your, your earnings. And, and there's a reality. And so whatever the Lord entrusts to us, then we will faithfully distribute that to the ministries that he's called us to. So, but we're all in this together. This is not on a few people's shoulder. This is all of us together who call North Shore their home. So I need to communicate those things uh, uh, to you. And then we look and just see and give you a chance to participate. And that's what we'll be doing the next couple of weeks. So the last thing is, okay, uh, if you're walking through this and you're starting to make these adjustments, begin to systematically pay off your debt. Just start chipping away at it. My advice is start with the smallest things. You got a credit, out, credit card that's out here just looming out here and there's, just, there's a few bucks on it or whatever. Pay it off and cut it up. <laughs> it feels good, by the way. 
all right? It's like a little wind that you can just keep, get a little momentum going, and you just start chipping away at that, and before you know it, I'll tell you what, this thing is gonna go faster than what you think. It really will. Let's go back, finally, as we close. What happened to the young man as he made his way back home to his father? What was the father's response as he comes barreling down the trail to his father's house, wanting to be a hired servant? How did the father respond? says that he came running out with open arms and he welcomed him home and his love was just just over the top. He was so happy that he came home that he threw a party. (laughs) He said, let's go out and and kill the fatted calf. Man, let's have a party and let's celebrate this. And I just want you to tuck away that God is waiting, just like that verse in Deuteronomy, he is waiting to pour out a blessing. He's ready to throw a party As we walk through these steps, tangible steps, and we begin to distance ourselves from the bondage that some of us find ourselves in and the freedom like this young man felt, his father restored him. I mean, it was like a tailwind that came along, and and man, I know he was so glad that he made the decision back then to come to his senses, acknowledge the situation he was in, make a plan, I'll go back to my father, And then he got up and he did it. He did it immediately. That's what I'm praying over all of us, is that that's what we'll experience from the Heavenly Father. Last verse, as you look at the bottom of your, what a great promise to hang on. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. One verse says righteous, those who walk in righteousness. Right. Righteousness simply means doing the right thing. And the right thing in this case is what God has, has prescribed for us. So listen to what he's saying. And uh, even as our worship team is going to come up in a moment and lead us through familiar chorus, I need you, Lord. <laughs> You're the one that I need. I cannot do this on my own. This will be a profession for some of us. Uh, but I hope, I hope that God speaks to you through his word. Amen? Let's stand together and let me pray for you, and, uh, and then we'll go out singing, all right? Father, thank you for your word today, and we love you. Uh, we, we are so grateful. You are our sovereign God, and you are over all and in all. Lord, everything we have comes from your hand. We are utterly, completely dependent upon you. You're the vine, and we're the branches. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you, Lord. And Father, I'm praying over some families, I'm praying over some folks, individuals perhaps, that are, that are beginning to allow this to settle in and there, there is something that's looming and for some, they're a little afraid, they're a little scared because they're going into unknown territory. They've never gone down this path before. There have been a lot of things they've thought and they thought were true, but as your word is going out, it's all of a sudden beginning to make sense that you've got something better in mind for us. I'm praying for courage. I'm praying for faith to trust you at a level like we never have. And Lord, for some of us that have uh, been kind of gliding along at a certain level, I believe that you're gonna speak to our hearts and probably prompt us to even take another step of faith that we have not entered into. And so, as we just anticipate what you are saying to us, give us a heart, once again, that's responsive and we'll put into practice. If there's a person today that has never trusted you, Jesus, for their salvation, in other words, your spirit's never been invited to come in and transform them, change them, to change their very nature, because you're the only one that can do that. 
that today is a day that we surrender our hearts to you. Lord, we, we just confess we need you. We need your forgiveness. And, and we ask you, in Jesus' name, to come into our hearts and make it your home forever. And we understand, Lord, that this, this is going to make a dramatic, a complete, thorough change in, in who we are. But that's what we're asking for. So I trust you with this today. Let these words just be a profession of our faith and our dependence on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.